Hello and welcome to another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report. My name is Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. Today we have with us three loopy guests. We've got Dan Hess. Hello. Happy to be here. Yeah, Paul Wilcox. It's great to be back again. And Doug Gobeski. Thank you for joining me. And again, this is a sci-fi <laughs> shuffle episode. You don't have to come up with a creative pun name to introduce the guests. Oh, was that creative? Does it was it good? <laughs> just fits you yeah, for compliments. It was, it was it was so good you you probably should save it. <laughs> save it for looper, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> now that's just it's gonna be his default for all sci-fi shuffle entries. <laughs> We're watching Planet of the Apes, and we have our three loopy guests. <laughs> so this is the fourth installment of our sci-fi shuffle series, and today we are going to talk about the 2011 film Source Code. Doug, you picked the movie this this week. Yes, that's why I introduced myself as thank you for joining me, even oh. though I'm not actually the host. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't even track that. I didn't either. Sorry. We thought you were just kind of like in like sort of a solipsistic sense. <laughs> Thank you, NPCs. <laughs> this is Elon, and you're in a simulation. No, I just meant thank you for joining me in watching this movie and then discussing it. So, Doug, why did you choose this movie to shuffle into the sci-fi stack? I don't know how to express this in a clever way. I chose this movie because it's... It's not a terribly well-known movie, and it's not like a must-see great movie. This will change your life. It's it's like yeah, hey, this, this is a fun movie. I, I figured we could uh, we should go with something that's uh, you know not like two thousand one, a space odyssey. I mean, we had Fantastic Planet. Uh, that still has a lot of cachet to it, though. But it's a it's a fun movie about weird things that never stop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think Kevin had much fun. Well, Kevin's not here, so therefore we can put words in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin loved that movie. He, he thanked me in private later. <laughs> afterwards. Could not get enough of the Cronenberg monsters. It's like, you know, I've been thinking about it lately. <laughs> Paul. Decided to show it to his children <laughs> repeatedly. He's <laughs> like, ah, kids, it's animated. Come on. You guys love cartoons. <laughs> so, Charlie, tell us a little bit about the background of Source Code. Since I can't do it this time around because Doug told me if I hadn't seen it to not learn anything about it. So I followed his instructions and now I know nothing. Beyond what I've seen. And luckily, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot of background to have to go over. I mean, the screenwriter had to actually write the script on spec because he couldn't sell it to anybody. Like, he couldn't explain it well enough. So he actually had to write the script out. And beyond that, I guess this was directed by Duncan Jones, who at this point was really only known for the 2008 film Moon, which is a fun little sci-fi film, and also being David Bowie's son, which I didn't know. Yes. That's about it. I mean, they got Jake Gyllenhaal on board and made a fun little movie. I mean, it's like Doug said, it's not like, you know, it made a huge splash yeah, when it came out. Epic. And yeah, people don't talk about it tons that I've heard anymore, but we're about to. 
and I'm I'm gonna be that guy now. <laughs> now in, when I'm in groups, you guys seen source code? <laughs> Want to talk about it? <laughs> so as I basically just said, uh, prior to this, I had not seen the movie. I'd heard of it, and I very vaguely knew the plot of like, oh, he keeps going back in. I don't think I knew if it was time or if it was a simulation, but to try and figure out something about a bombing, but that's about all I knew. That's more than I knew. I had never heard of it, and I thought it was, uh, my assumption was that it was about computer hackers. Yeah, I just (laughs) want to say, I was very disappointed that at no point did anyone say, we have to find the source of this code. (laughs) (laughs) They did reference source code, though, several times. They did. As in project source code or whatever. Couldn't tell if that was the project name or the uh, like the technology. I thought it was like the the program. Like program. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah the whole thing is called like, source was code. Was it a registered trademark? <laughs> that was unclear to me. Yeah. No potential for confusion when you call your computer program source code. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure all the yeah. I'm sure it's all an acronym so too. It's, it's funny like you say that. <laughs> Because on my Amazon Fire Stick, you know, I like hold mm-hmm. the little microphone button and s- speak to what you're searching for. So I held it down and I said source code. And who is Alexi or whatever said back to me, if you want to see my source code, go to Amazon.com. <laughs> look under careers, is blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, wonderful. <laughs> I typed it in. Like it was, you know, 2012 or something. <laughs> You have to use your hands. It's like a baby's toy. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, for my part, I have seen this movie before. And Doug mentioned that, oh, you shouldn't look up anything about the movie before you watch it. And I was like, well, that's good because I don't remember it. (laughs) 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 I I remembered basically all the things you're saying. It's like, yeah, it was a time loop, but I don't remember anything else. There's a train and a time loop. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. The specific reason why I said don't look up anything whatsoever about it is because I wanted to, as closely as possible, have you guys experience it the way that I experienced it, which is my friends were like, hey, let's go to the movies. I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay, I'll go. I'll watch a movie. And this was the movie that they chose. And so I went in knowing literally nothing about it. Well, you did a lot better than the time that happened to me, and we saw the Nick Cage movie, The Weatherman. <laughs> <laughs> Especially uh, because it was between that and Doom, the rock oh. movie, and we were like, nah, that hasn't gotten great views. Let's say Nick Cage. And I, was, <laughs> I believe that I was at the theater with my friends at the exact same time in theater as you, and we went and saw Doom on that particular day. <laughs> yeah, we so made we the right choice. choice. When, when your choice is Doom or a Nick Cage movie, I feel like uh, you should see what else is going on around town. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my memory is that it was like, you know, early February. You know, you can't really go do anything because it's cold out. Let's go to the movies. What's out? Well, we got these. All right. It was a different time, you know? Yeah. So apart from seeing it in the theaters, uh, I also watched it on streaming like, one two years ago i don't really remember and then again today i went in with 
next to no information as requested, which is hard because like that's like most of my Twitter feed is source code related. <laughs> <content>. <laughs> I know, and we we had to schedule this out so far in advance too. I'm proud of yeah. you. Yeah, it was tough. I think it really helped uh, me as a person to stay off Twitter for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you're not missing much. No, no. So it's a time loop movie, kind of like Groundhog Day. Yeah. Is it, though? I thought it was a simulation movie. Kind of like uh, a the Matrix? simulation. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but I w- That was the first parallel I drew. I was like, oh, it's like The Matrix. My my initial parallel was uh, Edge of Tomorrow, maybe just because of the fi- the sci-fi angle and the whole like oh, yeah. I got to figure out how to save the world before I die again. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I did consider selecting Edge of Tomorrow and then uh, went with this one because I was like, oh, I'm going to go with something a little more obscure, but same elements of the same concept i guess you'd say also i assume a much lower budget <laughs> yeah well you only needed a couple sets right yeah that's <laughs> yeah, one of the things right? i sort of admired about it i was i was like damn i bet they made this movie fairly cheaply well then again they did keep blowing it up so <laughs> <laughs> those maniacs yeah, it took two years <laughs> to shoot because they every you know eight minutes of uh, screen time they had to rebuild the set (laughs) (laughs) and apparently according to wikipedia 31.9 million budget and 147 million box office so wow that's some serious return (laughs) numbers yeah I guess I never timed the loops did anyone check to see if they were like eight minutes at a time they Uh, were not no like I think says that like maybe the longest one ends up being a little over seven but they're varying length at least on screen oh but none of them go over eight i think I no guess is my no question. no no oh well then fantastic yeah so like you know as they show you the stuff multiple times they you know obviously skip over what you've already seen before sure so yeah you, you do get a little bit of compression that way how do you all feel about the explanation of what was going on as far as how the it's source the code works at the beginning. Oh, the quantum <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I feel like that was a case of uh, what, what I had a boss used to say to me. If you can't dazzle them with brilliance, baffle them with bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and so the uh, uh, Jeffrey Wright character was just like, I'm going to say some big words, assuming that you're just a uh, military meathead and won't follow along and just nod and say, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah. wait a minute, I under I understand those words. That doesn't make sense to me. And he was like, Don't worry about it. <laughs> Get back to work. Yeah, it definitely benefited from not over explaining it. Just sort of the vagueness of it. It was like, all right, well I think if we delve any too any deeper, this is not going to work for me. When you're dealing with a concept like this, you're already, you know, walking a fine line of of dealing with paradoxes and stuff. You know, if you go too far, you're immediately gonna lose everybody. So, like, you kind of have to just just say just enough to press the I believe button to suspend belief. Right. Ironically enough. And then just let your movie go. You know what I mean? So from that angle, I think they did a good job. They were just like, hey, there's quantum mechanics and physics and such going on and just deal with it. Move on. Yeah, I think I've mentioned it before in, in one of our dis- these discussions, not for 
this specific pod, obviously, but I remember in elementary school seeing Last Action Hero with one Charlie Wallace. Uh, and we were in like second grade and the entire car ride home. He was like, but wait a minute. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> if he did this, then he wouldn't have been able to do this. And it was like, he was, he was nitpicking <laughs> last action hero. And, and it was like, mm, I see a podcast in his future, even though, <laughs> even though that's not a thing yet. When it's it amazing, is a thing. Amazing. I didn't invent <laughs> it. He should create a version where he can, where he can talk about this and no one listens. To him. <laughs> but it's but he really can turn it off. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> one day he met Adam and Adam got so tired of hearing about these things. He said, here, Charlie, shout into this can. I'm going to move to Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to reveal the secrets. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I also recognized the words that were being used and was just like, eh, whatever. I don't really care. This isn't primer. I don't need to follow the intricate details. <laughs> so having seen this three times now, um, I think it's worth noting that by the end of it, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is like, Dr. Rutledge doesn't even know, understand what his own thing is. That's not how it works. And it turns out that, yeah, he's actually right. That's not how it works. So... You know, if he had given an, an incredibly detailed explanation, it would have been wrong anyway. So it was magic all along. <laughs> oh, can't do it for the sci-fi shuffle, then. <laughs> no magic. What? They had computers. Computers aren't magic. It had parallel universes. Maybe. Those <laughs> could be magic. I don't know. I guess as long as there weren't any magnets. Uh did anybody inspect the brakes on that train? Those use magnets, right? I thought it was yeah. hydraulic. They do. I thought it was pneumatic. Oh, I don't know. Depends on what kind of braking system it has, right? This is really what we should be spending time discussing. I mean, roller braking systems and brains. <laughs> <laughs> Yet another train podcast. <laughs> so there's two puzzles going on. There's what's going on in the train, and there's what's going on on the not train. Three puzzles if you include the braking system. That's true. But you can tell immediately there's something weird because I was like, why aren't they just like taking the time to explain? It's like taking the time to explain to him what's going on like immediately. I don't know. Usually dealing with people who are like insisting on what's going on. It's like it's going to be way easier just to explain it to them and you're not going to get any farther. <laughs> so it's frustrating. I was system? like, just explain it to Yeah, explain to him how the brakes work. <laughs> you just know everything I mean, about they the train. Are meant to keep you from getting any farther. Yeah. <laughs> Are we supposed to have understood, in your opinion, where exactly he was in the quote-unquote real world when they were talking to him? Uh, like, was he in his own last eight minutes kind of thing? By the way, is this uh, is this series supposed to be spoiler-free? No. 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 Okay, Okay. good. So, like, when he's in the quote-unquote real world and he's is that oh, supposed like to be his own, like, last eight minutes of recollection kind of thing? between the wreckage of the helicopter and the teacher on the train. I didn't think of it that way. I thought he was just kind of... Because, like, he mentions wreckage all around him, and he's, like, initially trapped in, like, the the strap. You know, he's buckled in. Oh. So, like... I crashed that helicopter. Yeah, as trauma, like, leftover mental trauma. Yeah, like, like this snapshot of his scene when he lost consciousness, basically. Yeah. Is what I, I thought it was. Since you find out at some point that he is not, in fact, in the re- inside the wreckage. Seems kind of plausible. 
Mm. But yeah, I think it's just supposed to be him making up some like real world space that he's in. I don't know. Yeah. Like the last thing he saw. Because it's like, yeah, it looks like he's in a helicopter. Kind of. Not really. I don't know. Sort of like a Matrix version of a yeah. helicopter. Yeah. 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 I mean, they. They definitely describe things that you would see, like on the inside of a wrecked helicopter. Like I said, when he, you know, he's strapped into his seat, he's sees the, you know, the leaking hydraulic fluid, stuff like that. So there's the, the I guess door the question can't is, get open. Right, right. I guess the question is like, did they construct that for his brain to reside in, or did they, or is that his source code? <laughs> oh. Oh. Wait, what do you mean construct? They at one point told him that it was like a, a a manifestation or something but it could have been like one that they guided where they're like all right right this is what you are going to see sort of thing like a matrix that they created to contain the level of shock that he sees when he wakes up in the real world as opposed mm. to the level of shock that he sees when he wakes up as someone else on a train in chicago like <laughs> 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 the last thing he remembers was flying a helicopter in afghanistan <laughs> <laughs> So how did people feel about the way the movie started by like throwing you in the way Jake Gyllenhaal's character gets thrown in without explanation? I thought it was cool. I like really like the way it puts you sort of in his shoes. He kind of keeps you disoriented in the exact same way that he would have been. Yeah, I think it helps engagement. Like you don't feel like you're lost. You're bewildered, but you're not lost because the character on the screen is just as bewildered as you are. And you also get the surprise of the explosion, which you have no idea is going to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. that was. Yeah. I had my volume up way too loud. <laughs> it was very effective. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked it being tossed right in, but uh, the only thing I don't entirely like about, well, not so much about the way they toss you right in, but there were whole segments of that, like first third of the movie where it felt like they were telling a story backwards, kind of. And sometimes that annoys me. Like, instead of, you know, solving a mystery, they're just unraveling it backwards. It feels oh, lazy to me. Yeah, yeah. If, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. But but once you get to, like, the last third of the movie, it kind of comes back around to start being like, well, what you th- thought was going on, or what they were telling him was going on, wasn't really what was going on to an extent. So it'd be interesting to watch it again, kind of knowing that and, you know, knowing that more people than just him don't really understand what's going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it gets what you're saying, because I guess any movie could really be a mystery or suspense if you just like put it backwards or put it in a weird order. Right, right. Like like a rom-com even. or Right, right, right. right. And I'm not saying in like a memento way where that's like the whole gimmick. Right. I'm saying in a way of like, if you've ever seen, oh, what was that movie? It had Brittany Murphy way back in the day. It was like late 90s, I feel like, where like, like when psychological thrillers were all the rage. And, and she was like this mental patient trying to remember this like crime or whatever that she had this traumatic was like a race from her brain or something. And they basically, she just like spends the whole movie clutching her forehead and, and squinting and being like, "Uh, and then I remember (laughs) this happened. And then I remember this happened. And like, they just like tell it backwards. And I was like, that was, it was so terrible. (laughs) Not that it shouldn't have been terrible, but like ever since then, every time I feel like I see that happening in a movie, I'm just like, I don't know. It feels like lazy writing. Don't say a word. 2001. Ah, 
It was awful. Don't go see it. <laughs> okay. It's too late. I'm watching it right now. <laughs> I already watched it. That's that's what I spent my last like a uh, few couple dozen jumps doing. <laughs> <laughs> Just skip forward eight minutes on every. <laughs> Could you imagine if it was on a plane instead of a train, and he did that? And you you can watch like less each time because going forward takes so long. <laughs> <laughs> By the end, you're you're spending most of the time fast forwarding to to the very end and watching thirty seconds at a time. <laughs> Eight minutes isn't enough for it to buffer. <laughs> you start commandeering the one next to you. I'm going to watch eight minutes of another movie while I wait for this eight minutes to fast forward to the one I want. You're running up and down the aisle scene if someone else is in the middle of it. It just happens to be. But I think along the lines of what you're saying, like the withholding of information from Jake Gyllenhaal was kind of annoying in that like he's going to be so distracted when he goes back in being confused about what's going on. Like if you just explain to him a little bit more, then he would actually be more efficient at the job. And that was what was frustrating me a bit. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, instead he's just going to be confused when he goes back, like spend two minutes explaining to him why he's there. They're military though. You know, it's like, I work in the Pentagon. I don't (laughs) think that's how they would do it. (laughs) (laughs) Look, it's on a need-to-know basis, and him, the guy doing it, doesn't need to know. (laughs) There was definitely a moment when they lost contact with him, and like Jeffrey Wright's character is hunched over like a circuit board or something, that I was like, oh, is he miniaturized, and they're trying to find him? No. Like, I really thought it was going to be like Fantastic Voyage for a hot (laughs) second. Oh, I was thinking, honey, I shrunk the kids. Honey, I shrunk the uh, helicopter marine. So... Was anyone able to figure out who the terrorist was before Jake Gyllenhaal? No. I, 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 I wouldn't say I figured it out, but that guy was definitely my number one suspect. Okay. So, so you would have called the meeting? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he, uh, uh, well, well, he wait, so deliberately wait. showed the person who left his wallet on the train. But by the time they, they show you the person deliberately tossing his wallet aside. Then you had like three seconds to make the connection (laughs) before they told you. Right. On the rewatch, they do make a fairly big deal of that guy returning the wallet to the other guy. Like it's in there at like at least three times explicitly. So, right. They keep showing you that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it was prominent enough where I was like, is that a red herring? I don't know. Well, I feel like I noticed, probably not entirely uh, consciously until after the fact, but like he wasn't like, oh man, thanks. I'm so relieved. He was like, ah, thanks. I do remember <laughs> noticing that. I was like, huh, he didn't seem yeah. that excited. Yes, I'm like, yes. You know, I was like, man, I would oh, be way more maybe, excited than that guy if somebody just was... <laughs> saved my wallet. That's just, you know. I think I wrote it off as like it was a different time. This was like ten years ago. People were just chill about everything. <laughs> <laughs> no need to get excited. <laughs> no need to get mad. No need to get excited. Just you know, just listen to your free uh, Russell Peters show. <laughs> <laughs>
I felt a little bad that I didn't realize it was Russell Peters until way too late. <laughs> the first thing I did when the movie started was I looked to see who was in it. Like as as the opening credits were going, I was like looking at IMDb, not at any synopses or anything. Just at like, <laughs> who am I gonna see here? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Scott Bakula. Not you, yeah, you kept looking for Scott Bakula's face. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, maybe he quantum leapt into somebody else's body, but it's still him. <laughs> oh geez, I didn't even make that connection. <laughs> yeah, actually. That it's wow, that Charlie. is quite the Easter egg. Yeah, Charlie, why aren't you talking about that? Well, uh, we weren't there yet, but I mean, now we are. I didn't even recognize that it was his voice, though. Like, I caught it in the credits. It was just different enough where I was like, oh, I no way I would have picked it up. Yeah. But yeah, Wait, Quantum where, Leap. Where was his voice? It's the dad he, on the yeah, other end of the, uh, the phone Jake, line. Jake Gyllenhaal's dad. It is an Easter egg. My goodness. Because, yeah, I guess this movie is a lot like Quantum Leap in a lot of ways. Trying to fix things that went wrong. Except getting a lot of chances to do it. <laughs> yeah. Not just one in a bunch of different situations oh they should have called it quantum loop (laughs) missed opportunity i would have gone and seen it (laughs) so did anyone else notice also had the first several times he kept going you know looping back to the train the slight differences like his clothes kept changing ever so slightly and michelle monahan's posture when he wakes up is a little bit different each time Oh, no, I didn't notice that. I did yeah, not the, notice the clothes, no. The the first time I noticed the clothes, it's not it's not drastic, but like there was one of the loops where he doesn't have the jacket. No. At I all. thought he took it off. Oh, I didn't think he had it at all. Maybe? I don't know. Hmm. I, I'd have to watch it again and, and look for that I mean, deliberately, but that was one of the first clues I had kind of that like whatever he was looping through was an approximation of some sort, but... Yeah, I mean, he does kind of mention it for a second. Like, I didn't really notice anything. But yeah. didn't he say something, like, about small differences? Mm. It was in well, one of the leaps. I can't. Yeah. Like, in one of the loops, the coffee gets spilled on Christina's foot instead of his foot. Oh. It's like he says something or, or such, and the lady spills it on Christina's foot. Hmm. So, yeah, there are just small differences there. Well, and initially I figured, oh, well, they're, you know, like the, the talk about the, you know, the source code and whatever, like it's an approximation of something. But looking back on it after having seen the full movie, I'm wondering, was he actually transporting into parallel universes? Um, yeah, like those you know, are- having seen it a few times, I think that that is what you're supposed to infer. That he's going he's, to parallel universes. He's, he's either timelines or something. Yeah, he's either mm. entering into a different timeline, or every time they uh, send him back in, they're creating a new alternate timeline. Mm. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about the end of the movie. In that he keeps seeing the bean. I don't remember what the Chicago bean is actually called. The bean. Isn't it? Yeah, just the bean. I think that's not its technical name. I think that's just oh, what everyone calls everyone it. Everyone just calls there's it. There's that oh, there's like an actual name to the art piece. Yeah, it's oh, like okay. Cloud Atlas or something. That's not I know, I know it's Cloud <laughs> Gate. That's Cloud gonna Gate. be my that's next pick, so get ready. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah. yeah, like how he keeps like at the end of all of his loops, like that's what he sees is like that thing. All all the times I was like, oh, he keeps seeing the bean. Okay, like I never really thought about it other than recognizing it. But in Chicago, yeah. about like, that. oh, that must have been from before. Oh wait, that doesn't right. actually, you know, like I, right. I guess I just assumed that they were his his memories and the person who he was habiting habiting memories were just getting kind of scrambled during the like shift. quantum leap. <laughs> oh, this is Charlie's new favorite movie, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's getting there. But I mean, if the changing little subtle differences were a clue, I thought the 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 really like obvious bit though is the fact that he could interact with everything. If it's really just some approximation that he's observing, like how would he be able to interact with things to the extent that he can go places and see things and do things? that were not a part of that eight minute loop. Right. Right. Like by the yeah. time he sees the, the nuclear bomb or whatever in the van, the real guy went nowhere near that. Right. He would have no oh, idea. Yeah. So like, he's clearly off script. He's outside of the source code. He's oh. making his own. Well, code. I was like, yeah, that's a good I, point. I wondered what he explained it initially, whether they were like taking the memories of everybody who was on the train. Right. Like that guy probably didn't get up out of the seat even. The first eight minutes, right? He probably sat there and talked oh, yeah, in like right. real life. So I thought it was like everybody on the train. But even then, like I was thinking the same thing. Like, how did he call his dad? Like, how did he right. look up something on the internet about himself that was actually true unless the source code is connected to the internet and allowed him to do like the ending explains that essentially by saying that no, this isn't, you know, just a simulation. So, and speaking of looking up things on the internet, I don't know about you guys, but I always kind of notice those like little dated references now in movies that was like so high tech at the time. And now it's like, she'd react like, uh, yeah, obvi. <laughs> I was impressed that Bing was on that guy's phone. Bing. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember when Bing came out. <laughs> yeah. What kind of, that was like a nice, was that a, like a, one of those flip phones with the physical keyboard? Yeah. A lot of the slide nice. ones, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Those were, those were cool. I was like, oh, Bing, we're coming back full circle now that, <laughs> now that Bing's you know, taken back over. I don't know what you're talking about. I've been using Bing for years. Real Bing boy over here. <laughs> we're not talking about only for that. <laughs> and then in terms of other product placement, like I commented at one point through the movie, I was like, man, I could go for some donuts right now. Because they kept showing Dunkin' Donuts bags and things. <laughs> oh, no, I, I would have been right there with you on that if I hadn't over binged on like sugar candy snacks at that moment where I'm like, yeah, I would definitely eat a donut right now, but it wouldn't be good. Like one of the first things in each cycle, you know, he says the person opening the soda, he's like soda, but it's a can of monster energy drink. I don't think they show you the full thing. It's just essentially right below the rim but i'm sure that it's monster you know where it says like taurine and b vitamins and stuff oh okay would he have known that though dude he was in the military yeah (laughs) 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 what so so he would know rippets then yeah okay he'd know rippets (laughs) but i assume he would know monster too (laughs) he's a real uh sam porter bridges I was just thinking that <laughs> about the weird monster in Death Stranding place. <laughs> so the ending kind of explained away some of those issues that 
I was coming up, you know, those uh, last action hero style issues <laughs> that I was coming up with as I watched it. But then I thought, like, right as the movie ended, wait a second. Now he's taken over someone else's life. <laughs> this is going to get very difficult for him very yes. quickly. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. you said that because I literally wrote in my notes. So since he is now quantum leaped into the teacher, he has to learn to be a teacher, meet his family, <laughs> figure out where he lives, etc. That is going to be a stressful life. <laughs> and he can't just like hack his way there in eight minute increments anymore. <laughs> just got one take. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> if he screws up, really he can't be like, uh, "Can I have a redo on this? Can you pull me out and throw me back in?" Eight minutes. Really ago. made me think about uh, Wonder Woman '84 and mm. the, the whole Chris Pine inhabiting someone's body. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I will say that Wonder Woman '84 is pretty unequivocally morally bankrupt in that regard. Whereas here with source code, it's like, well, I mean, yeah, I guess technically that guy does die, but... But not in this universe, maybe, he doesn't. No, no, no. I mean, the <laughs> Sean Fentress dies. You know, like ego death or whatever. Is that the term? His personality's gone. He, he's not coming back. I mean, I but, suppose so, but in this universe, he, he kept him from dying. Anyway. So, all right. So one yeah, person did still die. Yeah, we're not supposed to think about it. I get it. It's like, yeah, I mean, and let's really, think like, about that tomorrow, right? They they weren't like already dating, right? You know, they were only at the coffee stage, so <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But he, but he did <laughs> like already have, have a job, right? <laughs> we and he's going to show up to work to try and teach this classroom of children. He's going to be like, uh, so where do we leave off? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we'll read the next chapter. <laughs> yeah, that, we so can feel bad for the kids. I guess like, the kids are the real losers. <laughs> they really lose out. In right, this right, a lost generation somewhere in suburban <laughs> Chicago. But yeah, that's a good observation, Charlie. I had thought the same thing. Man, this is gonna suck from here out. <laughs> Just gonna be a comedy of errors. That, that'll be source code, too. <laughs> I hope it at least works out with Michelle Monaghan, because otherwise it's going to be real tough to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be lost. He might not know where he lives. He's got his wallet. He looked at his address. I hope he white knuckles that thing and doesn't leave it on another train. Like <laughs> that other guy. Uh, here's a question. Do you feel like the ending with alternate realities is better than the ending where the freeze frame ending? Because the movie could have ended just right there and still would have mostly made sense. Uh, yes, I I like the the continuation. You basically get a happy ending. Okay, so the difference between the two is, did he save all of those people to actually save all of those people? Or did he just save all of those people to prove to himself that he could do it? Right. Like, that's the yeah. difference between the two. And so the continuation ending is better, I think, because you get to see that, yeah, he actually did save all those people. Wait, what, did you guys watch like a Blu-ray that had two endings? No, I'm just saying the ending I where, clue style. where you suspected the, the movie could have just ended right at the freeze frame, right? Where everything pauses and then he's dead, right? And so that's just the last frame mm. of the movie where... They're like, oh, well, he he did this, yeah. and this is the last memory that he has. 
before it goes all minority report. Mm. But then they're like, no, he's not actually dead. This is alternate realities, which makes sense. Obviously, they showed the bean and stuff before that had to come back. And the right. we talked about them getting information outside where the simulation made sense. I mean, I guess even even from not strictly a, uh, a Jake Gyllenhaal perspective, the parallel universes is the happier ending for the people on the train as well, because at least one of the trains didn't die. That's true. Because like the the train still exploded in the in like the timeline, the first like the original main timeline or whatever. Right. right? Yeah. Right. They just literally bomb from going every off. other timeline. Yeah. Okay. It was the so only one in which like, he found the second detonator. Right. I see. Okay. Because I was like thinking, I was like, well, you know, and I was like, nope, nope. They all still. I mean, although I guess technically in the parallel universe's happy ending. It's the dirty bomb in Chicago ending for all of the other failed ones. So probably actually in terms of pure lives lost across the parallel universe, well, the well, original, you know, having we, it just be, we one don't universe. know. We don't know that the dirty bomb went off in all those other parallel universes, because as far as we know, Jeffrey Wright and company were also existed in those parallel universes. And we're trying to get a parallel Jake Gyllenhaal into this, source code in that universe et cetera et cetera et cetera right yeah yeah infinity mirrors that's too much to think about (laughs) wait who would they who would they put it in he's already occupied right (laughs) (laughs) it just gets more and more complicated and he's like they put (laughs) is it just eventually like jake gyllenhaal train the movie <laughs> no, no, no! It's man. Maybe ever, we do need the primer flow uh, chart. <laughs> have Have you ever played a video game where you're inside the video game? You log on to a computer. Yeah, I think so. I think I yeah, did that in the Munizverse, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like the Munizverse. <laughs> I see. Where, so where it's a oil? simulation within a simulation. <laughs> It's just another layer. I see. <laughs> so it's like an alternate reality branching off of an alternate reality. I'm glad this sub-series of podcasts we've created here with the Sci-Fi Shuffle now requires you to go listen to the Frankie Muniz episodes to understand <laughs> that reference. Oh, you won't understand that's, anything after listening the, to them. It's, it's called cross-promotion, baby. <laughs> no, you're right. You're just thinking about the train of Jake's. <laughs> Jake train. How happy he'd be on that train. Oops, all Jake's. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, because they were very clear that he was compatible with only Sean Fentress because they had similar, what, they had same sex, same, you know, roughly the same body type or build or something. Age, I think, was probably another one. In that particular timeline but maybe in a different timeline one that diverged slightly earlier the source code was worked in such a way that he was compatible with other people on the train yeah i mean it's almost like a necessity of the theory that there has to exist a train of all jakes (laughs) (laughs) this is what it feels like when you have to listen to me make up stuff that's not in the movie isn't it (laughs) yeah well, but they didn't, <laughs> did they say it was a hard incompatibility or would they just be like, would it just be like weird and it would take him 
longer to get used to his frail old body or something. You know? No, it seemed pretty hard. Like, you know, Jeffrey Wright's character at one point was like, we don't even know if anyone else, you know, like would be compatible with the source code program. So you're saying that he didn't understand his invention, so he didn't know that it wasn't a hard requirement. Yeah, he's like a guy uh, creating a chat um, bot. Okay, I'll, I'll grant you that. That's a possibility. Also, it's not did a good anyone, one, but... Also, did anyone briefly wonder if Sean, what's-his-face, the teacher, Huntress. was the bomber? That's what I originally <laughs> yeah. thought. Like, it's got to uh, somehow, like, where he finds bit. out it's himself, but somehow he's still accidentally... There was like the moment where he was like, who's bent in the bathroom? And and Christina's like, well, you went to the bathroom. And I was like, oh, dang. Yeah. They, <laughs> they must have done that on purpose, huh? Throwing Wait. us off the scent. He does go into the vent, too. That's classic imposter behavior. <laughs> uh, how did he Thank know you. He there? <laughs> Nothing more topical than Among Us references in 2023. <laughs> Hey, it's what'll get the Zoomers listening. <laughs> Those Zoomers and their Among Us. <laughs> so this is also possibly our usual feature of Charlie doesn't understand how to watch a movie. Um, it, did they explain at all why they know for sure that the bomber is on the train? Like, why would the bomber be on the train? Maybe they put it there like a day ago or like uh, several stops ago. Be- somewhere where he could see the other train going by and so i think they thought maybe wait no back up (laughs) he had to be on the train to plant the bomb we know that well how did they know the bomb wasn't on the train a long time ago it's up an event how often are people checking the vents (laughs) well if my expertise in train breaks (laughs) is worth anything they check the vents every stop (laughs) (laughs) So like one stop that they skip. <laughs> it's well known. It's it's the Among Us rule of <laughs> train <laughs> maintenance. But anyway, it, it's timed for the explosion is timed for when the freight train is passing by. So the person had to either be on the commuter train or watching the commuter train. So I don't think it's a given for sure that the bomber was going to be on the train, but the bomb was certainly on the train. And, you know, if you consider how did he figure out who the bomber is, well, he figured it out from the bomb itself. Right, yeah, you know, no, like I get that. Getting the Jeffrey Wright from it. and Vera Farmiga were definitely like, okay, you've got to find the bomber. You need to find him on the train. Look at everybody around you and figure out who the bomber is. Uh, I mean, what else are they going to tell him? I guess, yeah. That's what they I have mean, to go there with. There weren't high-quality, reliable drones available to consumers yet, I guess. And think about could... what cell phone signals were like back in 2011. you got to be right next to the bomb to get it to go off. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe they knew about the bomb, yeah. It's like, where's the 3G? I don't think he was using the Nextel Direct Connect for it. <laughs> it, was, it was the two He might have been. It. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can explode now. <laughs> I did very much appreciate how the sick guy, they were like, oh, that must be the bomber. And then immediately Christina calls him out for racial profiling. <laughs> and I was like, I'm glad they put like, that really in. They still far. did it. <laughs> 
I was like, uh, that's not going to be the guy. And this is a little bit. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll call it out. <laughs> yes, but on the subsequent watch, I was able to be like, okay, does it make sense to single out this guy other than, you know, the color of his skin? And it absolutely does because he's the only other guy who was there in the bathroom on the train, you know, the bathroom where the bomb is. And he gets off the train and he's, you know, acting sick. Right. Right. Basically everything is consistent with him being the bomber, except for the part where he's not the bomber. It's also consistent with him just being a guy who's getting off the train because he's got motion sickness. So that means there's an alternate timeline where that guy got off the train, got beaten up for reasons he doesn't understand, and then watched his attacker get smushed by a train. Yep. After the train that he was on blew up. Yeah. Wow. So he's like, I owe that that dead crazy guy my life yeah in a weird way that guy saved my life (laughs) well except he got off he he got off the train anyway oh me up for no reason oh yeah okay now i need therapy because i watched him get smushed and speaking of like we're talking about people being relaxed about things like the wallet or whatever these people are not relaxed about getting their uh their property searched (laughs) <laughs> which is fine yeah. i wouldn't be either but they're definitely like oh i'm gonna beat the crap out of you for touching my my briefcase yeah, well, would would you uh beat someone up be happy well i no, would, would know be happy if your oh high school math teacher just came up to you and just started rifling through your stuff <laughs> on the train i guess he does he maybe he does know the people right but still that's weird like yeah, I'd be I, like, I, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna yell at you. I'm not gonna enjoy this, but I am not gonna get a physical altercation with you about this. Yeah, I, I would oh. say he's lucky he had military training because uh, I think he's lucky he didn't get punched in the face. Right. <laughs> I I just wanted to clarify. Jumping back one step, I just want to clarify the thing that the guy does that's really suspicious is that he get you know after he is sick. When he comes out, he sits down on the bench, basically where he can see the train that he was on previously and see the freight train, you know, and Jake Gyllenhaal had just been told, I think in the previous uh, time when he was out of the simulation that, you know, the, the bomber had to have seen both trains at the same time to time it. So that's why he figures that's the guy. Oh, I, I, I. So I just wanted to clarify that was the other specific thing that makes it clear that, no, he's super suspicious. Oh, yeah. They really did prime him with their prompt right before that jump, too. Yeah. They were like someone nervous, and it's like the guy coming out of the bathroom dabbing the sweat on his forehead. Yep. Yeah, I thought he was too obvious, and they weren't far enough into the movie for that guy to turn out to be the bad guy, honestly. (laughs) It makes me kind of wonder about the script. Like, it seems almost like the script was written without like the person's race in mind. And then they're like, well, this is the guy we want to hire. Well, now we got to add the thing about racial profiling because we don't want people to think that we wrote into the script. <laughs> we got to say something about that. Let's do a right. quick rewrite. Some dialogue here. What, what, did, uh, what did we all think of the terrorist's motivation? Was it believable? I mean, I thought it was kind of a just generic, like, watch the world burn thing it's like yeah okay i don't think we're supposed to gain like is it how does it tie into the rest of the movie beyond just okay you wanted to blow stuff up maybe it was a head nod to uh joe the heath ledger joker you know he just wants to see chaos 
So oh. in the in the three minutes of research I did between the end of the movie and the start of the podcast, I did see something about the starting point of the movie, like the script being like a real life guy who made like a dirty bomb in his backyard or something. So maybe that's where that comes from. Oh, hmm. oh, wow. Uh, watching it back in 2011, back when we were, you know, not in the the heart of the global war on terror, but still not too far off from the peak of it. I didn't, I didn't quite know what to think that it was just some rando being a weird guy and taking it way too far rather than, you know, some religiously motivated terrorists or such. Yeah. The thing about this movie is that it kept feeling like it wanted to say something and I couldn't quite figure out what, I mean, it's fine for a movie just to be an entertaining movie. And I think ultimately that's what this, was but i was like okay well he's a soldier and they like keep throwing him back like into the situation he doesn't want to be in like maybe something to do with redeployment and then there's like the guy has a a lock like a foot locker that's or a chest that has like the american flag on it and like i couldn't like connect any of the dots there though i just decided he was a right-wing nut job yeah i think so like I didn't think about it really any harder than that. Like that this program is really like specifically it's veterans that are going to be part of this program. Oh yeah. It's a military program and Jeffrey Wright seems maybe to be military, but like not actually deployed military. I couldn't tell whether it was trying to get somewhere like that or not, or whether those are just like plot points. Like watching it now, those things don't like, yeah, they just feel kind of like plot points, but at the time, it did feel a lot mushier. Like you said, it felt like they were maybe trying to say something, but not really coming out and saying anything. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, certainly those elements are in there. There wasn't really anything done with them. And so I think, yeah, nowadays, it the, not, the, the aspect that they didn't do anything with it seems more reasonable to me as a viewer than it did back in 2011. Also, I kept wondering about Jeffrey Wright's character and why he had a crutch, like why that was in there. Like if that was supposed to mean something. Yeah, I was kind of curious about that as well. Because his disability is supposed to be a signifier of something, which is not cool. But then like, I mean, in real life, he doesn't have that. So it was definitely a choice. Don't know whose choice or why it was right. done either. Part of me wondered if there was going to be a backstory where it turned out like he had been the victim of like some sort of like bombing attack or something like that. And that's why he was dedicated to this. But it never came up. Yeah. And maybe it was cut or maybe it was just, yeah, created yeah, backstory by someone. Yeah, it like it points to that they had bigger plans or something, but it didn't on its own. It's like, well, yeah, did, representation is good. But when it's like kind of the closest thing you have to a villain besides the bomb guy. Not that he's like really a villain, but he's like kind of a. Well, he's definitely. He's sort of an antagonist, be, I guess. Yeah, he's definitely painted to be some sort of, you know, a morally corrupt. Yeah. Because you know, they, they definitely paint the picture by the end of the movie to be that he was in it for the glory or success of the program or whatever, more so than because he wanted to save the city. He wanted to prove yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. He's kind of rude that. Worked. Yeah. It's for some other disaster to happen right right he's, oh, all we needed all we need is a disaster he's like you know mr glass from uh <laughs> they forced him into this like pseudo villainous role it seemed to be a villain where they didn't need one 
maybe that is part of the commentary. Like the endless deployments. Like that was a thing that they did with uh was it reservists or was it National Guardsmen? Where like if you were just part of the regular army, you know, you finish your contract and then you're done. But I think for like the reservists, they kept calling them up again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah, I, and so I seem to remember something like maybe it was kind of like that, where it's like, you know, oh, you thought your service was over. Well, guess again. Well, I guess that would go back to the the idea that, you know, we're we're the writers or producers or whatever. Were they trying to make a larger statement on something in general? I find uh, time loop esque movies to be sometimes just pretty enjoyable in and of themselves. When I think of Groundhog Day or uh, Edge of Tomorrow and stuff, I find them fun. They're fun romps. This was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was a good use of the uh, the plot device, I thought. I, I felt like sticking through it to the end had a particularly good payoff because the entire movie felt more satisfying through like the last act. I'm going to make the Charlie comment here, so I'm going to steal his thing. Yeah. But uh, I like that the movie doesn't outstay its welcome. Like it feels yeah. pretty tight. Like It's not overly padded, and it's only like, what, 94 minutes, something like that? Yeah, so I, would, I like that. I would definitely agree with that. Too many movies are way too damn long these days. <laughs> Did you hear the new Little Mermaid movie supposed to be like two and a half hours? Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> wow. Don't these Hollywood studios know I have things to do and I have to get up in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> they should put an intermission at that for a movie that's going to have that many kids in it. Like, they're going to be missing good chunk of the movie. Uh, we haven't really talked about Jake Gyllenhaal yet. I we saw him in Spider Man Far From Home, and he's just. I think even so, this movie is just, it's a pretty straightforward job. Although he has, has some fun scenes, but like even when he's playing something completely ridiculous, I think he's he's worth watching. He's fun. I always think he does a good job. I definitely agree with that. I really enjoyed watching him go move through this movie. Yeah, I agree. I like Jake Gyllenhaal. He was good in this. There's part of me that wants to see the version of it with the real teacher because <laughs> it, it just really plays different when you know like it's not that different but it's it's different enough because it's you know it's jake gyllenhaal yeah that really feels like a great 2011 snl sketch where you just get someone on who i don't know like uh Jack Black, let's say, or whatever, and he keeps insisting he's Jake Gyllenhaal or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I really liked the whole, the whole thing. I mean, I like, I love a good train movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, really train. hit the spot for me. Hmm? How was Bullet Train? It was fine. I think. Video, you guys seen it? No. no. Looked cool though. Yeah, from the it looked. I I thought it looked really cool too. I don't know that it lived up to that, but I thought it was it was entertaining enough. You know, it was no source code, but it was a train movie. I don't know. I think I think what I train movies are there? Unstoppable, Silver Streak, Snowpiercer, Train to Busan. Yeah, that's a sci-fi one. We could do Snowpiercer. We could. I think we actually have to do a train shuffle. <laughs> that's how it works now. As soon as there's a concept of a new type of movie, like wake up, babe, new type of movie just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> I felt really engaged through the whole movie, the way it kind of drip feeds you like 
clues about the world and like am i right and then they don't even really show you how like they're seeing things like how uh like the source code project people are seeing like just oh, good printed, like the yeah yeah like how she was just seeing like the text do they show that until like towards the end no it's a, it's just, near the end yeah yeah like um, i thought that was kind of they hinted at it earlier where they showed some strings like they showed some stuff that was just garbage when they were having trouble getting through to him and like the temperature was dropping for from his perspective and uh dr rutledge says something like just keep sending strings i don't know i just i thought it was really cool the way they kind of you know drip fed the i don't know i for lack of a better word like the world building or whatever yeah the it kept me really interested and from the very beginning to the end so was was uh, well well plotted initially i thought that he was like actual code or like a program because that explained a little bit more why they weren't trying to explain things to him they're like oh this dumb program yeah it's like i don't we don't have to explain to you just just do what we tell you to do as opposed to an actual human being you know I'm getting tired of these emergent behaviors of our <laughs> AI. <laughs> Need to go put it put it back into another couple of years of training. So I think we've talked about most of it, but the one thing we haven't mentioned is the special effects. When you actually see Captain Coulter Stevens' body in the real world, where like They've got part of his skull removed and they've got tubes going into his brain and such. Uh, I thought they did a really nice job with the special effects on that. You know, very gruesome and looked believable. Yeah, concur. So ultimately, what did everybody think about the movie? Is this something you'd recommend to other people? I really enjoyed the movie uh, more than I sort of thought I would. Just like Dan, I'm also kind of a sucker for like time loop movies. And so this certainly delivered on that. Uh, It's paced pretty well. It never really feels like it drags. I can kind of see why this isn't more popular in sort of the wider culture. But I also feel like this is a movie that maybe should be more popular in the wider culture. Like it's a good movie. I think people should watch it. And just from the sci-fi shuffle perspective, it was admittedly a little nice to have a movie where I didn't have to constantly engage like my higher processing functions to make sense of the movie where I could sit back a little bit and just enjoy it as it happened. Because we haven't had that happen yet until now in, in our sci-fi shuffle. Yeah, there definitely is a benefit to that. I know that uh, Michelle and I went through a whole uh, phase not too long ago where like we were just watching like watching you know like made for netflix movies that you know are going to be absolute trash but we were like i just don't want to think about anything tonight i've had a long day (laughs) (laughs) i don't even want to process a plot just (laughs) just show me a series of images just just ai generate ai generate it for me right if i may make a recommendation have you heard of this thing called network television. <laughs> Check it out. Well, Are yeah, we and we p- part of that involved like just rewatching old episodes of The Office and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to pay close attention to this. I know how this plot goes. O- overall, I liked it. Like I said, it it started off uh, in, in a giving me vibes that I wasn't particularly fond of, but. As the movie went on, it really grew on me. And by the end, I thought it really had a good payoff. So uh, I think 
I think by the end, I was up to like probably three and a half stars out of five. I, I didn't love it, but I didn't, I didn't not like it. I would, I would recommend it. Um, it wouldn't be the first movie I'd recommend, even in the the time loop genre. But uh, hello, new coworker. You should watch Source Code. <laughs> what? Uh, okay. Yeah. Real quick, what would your first time loop recommendation be? Well, clearly Groundhog Day, right? To do if if I was angling for more of a action sci-fi time loop, I would go Edge, Edge of Tomorrow. I actually really enjoyed Edge of Tomorrow. I thought it was a cool movie. I'd co-sign that. It's really good, and especially it was way better than I was expecting. When yes, I saw it in theaters. Yes, and that that counts for something, right? When you go in with low expectations, and you're like, I call it the airplane movie effect. You know, when you're like trapped in your seat, and you're like, Well, I guess I'll watch this. They only have so many things, and then you're like, Oh my god, that was amazing. I'm a new fan of Source Code. I'm gonna evangelize it. <laughs> it's gonna be that. This is gonna be the movie I <laughs> I casually recommend, and you know. Uh, and people just kind of ignore me or whatever, you know, that's, that's part, but you gotta keep trying. So you liked it. Yep. I did. I did. I, I enjoyed this movie. I don't quite know what to say about it though, because I know I've seen it before and I barely remembered it. So I can't say that a couple of years from now I'll remember too much about it, but yeah, I liked how, you know, I don't think. It felt like it was touching on interesting ideas, and then I think ultimately that it didn't really go for it was probably better that it was, yeah, just kind of a movie you could watch and get to the end and kind of have a happy ending. And like, even though I felt like the freeze frame could have been the ending, I was like, ah, oh, the other ending's fine too, right? I, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think they made some good choices, and it was 90 minutes long. Not a lot to complain about. So clearly for me, the answer to would I recommend this movie to other people? Is going to be yes because I made you guys watch it. Yeah, but that could have been out of spite, right? Like, <laughs> I hate these guys. I'm gonna make them watch this. I'm gonna steal 90 minutes of their life, so they're never gonna get back. <laughs> hmm. I mean, I enjoyed it, and I was afraid that might have been the outcome, but I'm happy to hear that it was not the case. So, so Dan, as our newest guest on the sci-fi shuffle do you want to shuffle those movies i still don't know how to say this you want to pick a movie for us to watch next either to watch with us or to inflict upon us sure so i was thinking about this and i was going through things because i'll be honest i'm not a huge sci-fi guy so i like i look at all these sci-fi movies that have come out in the last 20 years or whatever and i'm like well just because i'm not familiar with it doesn't mean they might not have like seen it five times each <laughs> i don't know so uh but one that i was not familiar with that seems to be uh that i thought looked kind of interesting and the internet seemed to have decent things to say about it is a movie called prospect with pedro pascal oh, oh i, I keep I seeing that pop up well there like you Netflix go or something yeah, and i'm like i want to watch it because it's got pedro pascal so well now yeah. i guess you have to watch it yeah all right there you go so i think that one looks kind of cool and uh i would definitely check that out Awesome. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us here on the Sci-Fi Shuffle. We hope you enjoyed listening to us. I'm Adam Gobeski. I'm Charlie Wallace. Thank you to our guests. We've got Doug Gobeski. Goodbye. Paul Wilcox. It was a pleasure. And Dan Hess. That's a wrap. Oh, thanks. All right. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, 
Hey, thanks for coming along on that wacky adventure with us. You can see more of it on Facebook and Twitter. And it says we have a website, www.gobeskywallacereport.com, with more zany antics. Is this really what you wanted me to say? I think that's the best reading we're going to get, so. Fun for the whole family, including Grandma. And Grandpa. Oh, it's down at the bottom. And Grandpa. You always forget Grandpa. Let's do it again. Yeah. I feel like for any movie like this, though, where it involves time loops or or anything that it res- resembles a time loop, like, yeah. you're starting... I lost you. you. Know? I lost you. You so said like, down to Paradox City where the colors are green and the girls are. I, I lost oh. you. You said starting something, so I have no idea why you're singing Paradise City. <laughs> <laughs> there was a part of me that wanted it to be Kabuki Quantum Fighter, the movie. <laughs> uh, I don't you. know. <laughs> the story behind that nes classic though could you enlighten us um i mean basically it's about a guy who goes into a computer and in the computer he's like i don't know like a samurai type guy who can like whip his hair as a weapon and like the levels are kind of like you know you're in a computer like there's like sparks and stuff i'm not doing a very good explanation of it but he's essentially like a military type guy he's a real jason Bourne, who they send him into the into the machine to fight some sort of virus type deal threat Hmm. well they're both quantum so yeah i I think you got something there it's like when um beneath the steel sky um or what (laughs) is that what's the name of the the game yeah yeah, that's the game okay sorry i just really hit really hitting all the mainstream classics today (laughs) it's like (laughs) Like when you go into the, when you get the, what's the thing you go into in that game? Link? Oh <laughs> yeah. The yeah, L-I-N-C Link. Link. Yeah. Link when you space. go into that world, that feels yeah. a lot like being in Kabuki Quantum Fighter, except Kabuki Quantum <laughs> Fighter is less like surreal and more like, more like inner space, but computer edition. Well, I'm glad we took all the time to, to work out this bit Charlie's going to cut. <laughs> See how many highly topical and popular references that we can pack into one conversation.